and welcome to episode number 47 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson running down all of the news and notes and awesome bets and everything like that, Brett, that's going on in the sports betting industry. And we have some very interesting stuff this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got a little March Madness. We've got a little Alliance of American Football. We got a little NFL. A lot going on in the sports world right now. And we have an interview with Chris Sheridan, our newest contributor at thelines.com. Certainly you have, if you have been any sort of basketball fan whatsoever, you have read one of his columns at the many places he's written over the years. We have an interview with him. Talk a little bit about the player props that are still available out there. We talk about his thoughts on who's going to win the whole thing as well, some conference winners and whatnot. So, yes, please stick around for that. Definitely some good nuggets in there. But we are coming down to the home stretch here, Brett, as we kick things off. March Madness is is drawing to a close, and there are just four teams left. Only number one seed to reach the Final Four, Virginia. None of the traditional powers coming into the year that people thought and there was even a bet that was out there that was called the big four versus the field so it was duke gonzaga michigan and kansas were four you know consensus teams that everybody before the season started thought were going to be very very good you could bet those four teams versus the field to win the whole thing so obviously whoever bet the field cash that ticket already because there is no duke there is no gonzaga there is no michigan and there is no Kansas left in the field here for the tournament. The underdogs 33 and 27 against the spread overall and the over under kissing your sister, Brett, 29, (laughs) 29 and two. There was no winner in the over unders in the tournament. You would have actually lost to the VIG if you would have bet every single game there uh, one way. But uh, tournament has been every bit as fun as I thought it would be. And we've seen some. We've seen some numbers come in from some of these sports books and talk some people talking about some tickets as well. Yeah, according to South Point, they have about 25 tickets on Auburn at 101. So some some liability uh, there, depending on. Oh, well, it looks like Auburn is around. Let's see, plus 700, plus 800 to win it all right now, uh, going into the Final Four. So. So people with some pretty nice tickets there on Auburn at the South Point. Uh, Westgate has a $1,500 bet on Texas Tech at 200 to 1, which would win a little over $300,000. That ticket is actually up on PropSwap right now. They're trying to – whoever owns that ticket is trying to sell it for around $65,000, which is is pretty fascinating. Uh, a lot of fun hedging opportunities that I always look at with these futures bets are coming to fruition here with some of these long shots early in the season. But, um, yeah. Uh, some nice tickets out there if you have Auburn and Texas Tech. Obviously, Virginia and Michigan State, a couple of the favorites going into the season. Not going to get a, a lot of great numbers on those two teams through the season. But uh, if you do have tickets, I know Virginia tickets, I think there's some people have like 20 to 1 on Virginia uh, after they lost a game early in the year. So, um, yeah, some some nice outstanding tickets going into the Final Four here. I am holding a nice uh, eight and a half to one Virginia ticket myself. So okay. when'd you I have, get that? Uh, I got it about with about a month left in the season. So it was still pretty up in the air. I mean, it was when North Carolina had started to surge. Of course, Duke was had had gotten Zion back. So yeah, there was there was a whole bunch of you know it was still one of the shorter odds out there for sure. But 
Uh, eight and a half on Virginia. I felt pretty good about it. And uh, as soon as as soon as I made the bet, within a few days, most shops were down to seven, six and a half, six to one when it came to Virginia. So I feel like I beat the line just a little bit. Um, you know, it's 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 uh it's not going to ha- it's not going to be the type of money I can retire on or anything, but it'll be a nice little uh, boost should that come through for sure. I mean, it's better than the people who bet on uh, North Carolina over at BetStars. We got some information from those guys, and ninety four percent of the money at BetStars was on Carolina over Auburn. So, uh, BetStars Whoa. made BetStars made out pretty well in that uh, in that game for sure, no doubt about it. As we look here. Heading into the final four, if you want to take a look and, and if you want to go to over to DraftKings, of course, if you want to do that, go to the lines.com or playpicks.com, either one, and be sure and click on our link there. We have an exclusive deal with DraftKings Sportsbook, $25 absolutely free. You just have to be located inside the New Jersey borders there. Auburn, six point dogs to Virginia, Texas Tech, two and a half point dogs to Michigan State we have a 131 total in that Auburn Virginia game a 132 and a half total in that Texas Tech Michigan State game so that's where we're sitting in this one right now of course you know Auburn missing one of their key players Virginia being the only one seed left in the entire tournament here Brett I mean I know you are not a huge college basketball guy but you have watched enough of it to this point there's only four teams left which of the four are you riding with well, first, I want to, I just want to say that my, my bracket has come back from the dead. I, I got really four, I got three of four here in the final four here. So you picked you obviously picked Michigan State, Texas Tech and Virginia because you did not pick Auburn. I know this I definitely sure. I had Auburn in the final four. Check the tape. What? Check the check the tape. What? I had Auburn. I, I, I had Auburn in there over over UNC and then I had him beating Wofford in the late eight, which is a huge failure. But we got Auburn in there. Um, yeah, I've watched, I haven't watched a lot of basketball <laughs> to be honest. The, the first couple of rounds were so boring and it was so chalky that I kind of lost interest and, and didn't watch a whole lot in the sweet 16 elite eight. Uh, I do love Virginia. I have them winning it all. I think defensively they're terrific. Not that Texas tech and Michigan state aren't fantastic on the defensive side of the ball either, but, uh, I I've still got Virginia winning it all. I'm going to stick with my pre-tournament selection and, uh, I got them beating Michigan State in the final. I'm going to go ahead and root with my money. I'm going to go with Virginia. If you did want to take Virginia, yeah, if you wanted to take Virginia over at DraftKings Sportsbook, they are plus 140, Michigan State plus 195, Texas Tech plus 400, and then Auburn plus 700. So that is how that breaks down over at DraftKings Sportsbook heading into the final four here. I was able to take in several of the Sweet 16 games over at the Aria Sportsbook. And uh, the Aria Sportsbook here in Vegas, part of uh, the MGM properties, they've got the Mirage, they've got MGM, of course, they've got Bellagio. And these are, you know, just a few of the big sports books here in town. And one of the things that the MGM books, and I think some of the places have start to started to imitate this as well, but they were the first to put up these first to 15 bets. And, and when I say first to 15, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is first to 15 points within the game. So you have this massive sweat that is going on right at the beginning of basketball games, Brett. And I can't begin to tell you just how amazing this is and how much these bets are probably the absolute best bets <laughs> that you can make in a, because you just get instant gratification. You know I mean, like 15 points is all you're rooting for. And typically, I mean, is it, all, it isn't always the case, but typically 
they're fairly close to 15 points as well. So we had, you know, we had several different first to 15 bets and you're looking around and nearly everybody bets the underdog always because you're getting plus money. And again, there's not a huge edge to get to that first to 15. So everybody's betting the dog. So everybody's on the same page. It, it, the, the, the 15 points hits and you you either hear this room full of groans or everybody's up and high fiving and going crazy. <laughs> I cannot recommend enough coming to Vegas just to bet these bets in an MGM sportsbook and and just be there for the experience. It is so amazing. Yeah, I love this. Anything that adds some engagement and fun to the first 10 minutes of a basketball game when there's normally nothing going on, that's great. You know, build some excitement around the whole game, not just the final score. And, and you know, like in play is changing the way we bet on games too, but these first to 15 bets and first to 20 bets they're different. You know, it, like you said, it creates a team atmosphere in the book that didn't exist before these bets were introduced. And when when were these bets introduced? Yeah, I mean, they started them just a uh, just a few years ago, really, like I, th- I think four years ago was when they kind of got these going and just became insanely popular. There is uh, actually talked to the guy that runs uh, Jay Rude that runs the whole MGM Sportsbooks. And there were some games, Brett, in the first round of the tournament because, you know, there was just, you know, like a 16-1 or a 2-15 where there's just not going to be a ton of of public action because no one wants to lay those type of, you know, odds on the ones or the twos or something. There was actually more liability on the first 15 bets than there was on the entire game. And those one sixteens were close yeah, early on. Yeah. So it's just it's nuts whenever you whenever you think about it. Like but again, just add so much excitement. Like you said, it's it is. It's like a team out it's like being at a craps table is the best way to yeah. you know, most people are betting pass line. There are those occasional jackasses that come and bet the don't pass, and then they're the ones that are cheering when the whole table hates them. And yeah, I, I understand that. But majority of the time everybody's playing together, everybody's betting together, and and that's exactly the way it was. And we had you know, we had Auburn to First, first to 15, Auburn came through for us in that North Carolina game, and there was everybody was just high-fiving and going crazy, and it was just uh, it was such a fun time. And again, cannot recommend it enough. If you're, if you're out in Vegas, just get a few of those bets down, and you will be surprised at what a sweat it is. Yeah, I, I, March you're coming Madness, out next year. That's it. I, I you're really coming out next year. I, yeah. I have not been out to, to Vegas for March Madness, and I, I hear about it obviously every single year, and uh, yeah, I, I gotta check this. Yeah, out. you're co- you're coming next year. Uh, tell you what you won't be coming out here for, <laughs> and that'll be the AAF championship game. Actually, it had, it had gotten moved out of town anyway. They had moved it to one of Jerry Jones's places, but it uh, doesn't matter because it's not going to be happening anyway. We are we hardly knew ye, Brett. RIP um, Alliance of American Football. They have decided to fold operations. Some really crazy stuff coming out about all this. I'm sure if you've been watching on Twitter, even just reading any of the stuff online. I mean, making the guys pay for their flights to get home. Apparently some guys came back to the hotel when the announcement had been made while they were gone and their stuff was already out of their rooms and was waiting in the lobbies of these hotels and stuff. It just was seems like an absolutely horrible situation. But one of the things that really caught our eye was there was this rumor floating around, and this really hasn't died yet, this rumor, that the the guy that owns the, the the hurricanes tom dundon who's the guy that came in and was the supposedly going to inject the 250 million dollars into the league and he was going to get you know a majority stake in the league and he was going to you know get a, a seat on the, the the management board and all these different things like that 
Well, he's the guy who decided, yeah, I'm going to cut my losses here. Apparently, he was $70 million deep. And one of these people, Albert Breer on Twitter, came out and said he had a source that said Dundon got the technology he wanted, and now he's minus one rather large headache, to which I responded, GTFO. I mean, like, there is just zero chance to me that this guy spent $70 million on that crappy app that... Yeah, I mean, I understand that there was some sort of, I mean, couple of little minor neat things about the app here, Brett, but it was buggy. It didn't work all the time. It certainly was nothing like incredibly groundbreaking or anything. So I don't know, man. I, I think this was maybe a, I think this was maybe someone just kind of drawing at straws, trying to, trying to maybe make this, this Dundon guy look worse than even he looks in this whole situation. But, there's zero chance they paid $70 million for this app. Well, yeah, you did some short math, right? Like, how 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 much would it actually take to build, like, a, a legit sports betting app? Right. I know. <laughs> it's you it's could, not going to come anywhere near You could hire million. five guys at full time for an entire year at half a million dollars a year, and you're still only at two and a half million dollars. I mean, like, you know what? Pay them a million dollars a year. You're still only at five million dollars. So it's just it's crazy. And the reason that we're talking about this on this gambling show is because there was this, you know, whole perception that the AAF was this going to be this gambling friendly league. Of course, the app itself was supposed to supposedly integrate some gambling aspects to it. It never got to that point. And Brett, I don't know if you downloaded the app and tried to mess around with it, but uh, it didn't really even function correctly until about week five of the season. Anyway, it was very, very glitchy throughout the whole first half of the season. Yeah, it was rushed like everything else. It was all rushed. Yeah. And so it just it was lacking a lot of these functions. They said that it was going to have and everything. But, you know, with the AAF, the one thing that they did, they came out and they announced this partnership with MGM. That's why the championship game was going to be here in Vegas, despite the fact that we don't have a real stadium built yet. The Raiders, uh, the Raiders stadium is not built yet. Of course, that won't be open until 2020. So they were going to play out at where UNLV currently plays, which is in uh, Sam Boyd Stadium is an absolute joke. It is a terrible, terrible. T- I mean, it's basically like a good high school stadium. It is it is not on college level whatsoever and not one of those good college stadiums. I mean, not one of those good high school stadiums in Texas. I'm talking about just like a good high, uh, just normal high school stadium here. And so but they never did you see anything where they leveraged any sort of the, anything with this partnership with MGM? I mean, I, maybe like week one, I saw something come out about you know, that, that MGM was going to, was going to book games or something, but, but past that, I didn't see them try to leverage and, or go into this whole gambling aspect that they said they were so open and friendly to really the entire season. Yeah. Given that betting was one of the main selling points in the league to begin with, they really dropped the ball. I mean, the, the, like you said, the app wasn't even ready in time for week one. It was glitchy through more than half of the, the season that actually played out. There was no DFS for, the AAF at FanDuel or DraftKings or anywhere. I mean, there weren't AAF lines in New Jersey until week two. It just seems there was very little communication between the league and and some operators, especially uh, MGM, that could have really helped them along here in the first season, get people engaged right away and following the league every week. I mean, I'll, I'll admit I was I was pro AAF from day one. I really enjoyed that first week in the games, but I watched like ten minutes after the first week because I didn't feel any attachment to it. If you have some fantasy games, if you have uh, an app that's actually working and you can you know, follow what's going on with the betting lines and, and that sort of thing, 
I know a lot of people felt the same way. I just I lost interest in it from week two. Yeah, and there's a piece up over at the lines uh, Grant Lucas wrote, and it's Alliance of American Football folds, proving that sports betting can only do so much. Um, I disagree with that premise. Of course, it's an it's an opinion article, it's an op ed, so right. um, that is certainly you can go and you can make your own judgment there. I don't think it has anything to do with sports gambling. I think it was the fact that they put this league together without the proper funding, and you know they were running into payroll issues literally after week one of this of this season, which is why they had to have Tom Dundon come in and. The first place and inject money into the league they did not they were not truthful brett in the formation of this league from the get-go and i i don't think that it was be has anything to do with the fact that sports betting couldn't prop it up it was the fact that they didn't have a proper runway they do you remember when they were coming out saying that even if they did things very badly they had three years worth of money and they couldn't even get through the first week of the season yeah and charlie ebersol was pretty confident not pretty confident he was extremely confident that this thing would succeed and he he was making the rounds with uh, the media uh, bragging almost bragging about the fact that this thing was going to succeed and they had all the funding and uh, turns out that was not the case FanDuel did declare Orlando the winner anyway and they are going to pay out all <laughs> futures bets on that thing DraftKings uh, going to do the same. I, you know, this is just uh, what a what a disaster from top to bottom here. Um, don't think this really, you know, again, don't think this has anything to do with sports betting or sports fans or really anything like that. It just completely it, it was put together one way too quickly Two, it was put together shoddily, as we can tell. I mean, you had to take money just to get through payroll the first week. You didn't have enough money to make it through the entire season here. So this is not something, of course, we still have the XFL coming down the pike here, Brett. I mean, this is something where I have read articles already. And I mean, you know, uh, Vince McMahon apparently has already cashed out over $500 million worth of WWE stock to, to uh, runway this league. So, uh, it, it seems as if they are properly funded. Of course, they waited two years to get going here because they said they want they needed the time to kind of build things up and make sure that they had everything in place here and crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And so, look, I think there is room for a spring football league. I think you just have to go about it the right way. You don't put it in NFL stadiums. You put it in you know, smaller mid-major college stadiums that only hold like 25,000 people. And then a, a, a reasonable crowd still feels like the place is packed. And, you know, I think there is ways to, and, and also kind of let it be known that sure you're, you know, this is a feeder league. We want all these guys to get to the NFL. And it's kind of like when we watch minor league baseball, you know, when you're watching a triple a team play, that half of those guys, at least some way, shape, or form, are going to sniff the major leagues, right? They might only get called up for a week, but you know those guys will make it. Well, you know, I, I think there'll probably be a dozen guys from the AAF who will who will make NFL teams this coming year. And if the XFL kind of goes about it the, the right way, I, I think that there is a chance for success. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate because I think the league had something interesting here that could have caught on with the right planning and the right model. I mean, the rules of the game, I think the AAF had it right. I mean, this is miles better than what the NFL has. The game is faster. You put 
special teams players at less risk of injury. You move removing kickoffs. You almost remove the kicking game entirely by killing extra points, which I'm in favor of, obviously. Uh, I loved the flow of the game. Plus, it was a good experience for fans watching from home. We had more access to the behind the scenes of the replay booth and, and, and people involved in, in the officiating. There was a lot to like here. It was just run poorly from the top down. Absolutely. And I'd believe that we'll see the XFL be gambling friendly as well. I think that this is certainly something that they're going to, and they'll have a whole year to, to assess the situation even more anyway. Right. I mean, and by then, you know, cross our fingers here, we will have more States legalized. And I think that it'll just be a, a much bigger market and, and things like that. So we shall see. Each and every week, guys, we bring you the big bets, the big winners, the big parlays. We want to go over those now. And Brett, this uh, this one from William Hill, uh, this is this is a doozy right here. Yeah, we've got a two, we've got a two hundred dollar four leg money line parlay at the Stratosphere in Las Vegas. Uh, the the big one on here is well, you've got you've got some we've got a few big ones here. I mean, the Hawks beating the Bucks. Was was the first one? It was the Hawks were plus plus one twenty five with all the Bucks players sitting out, and it took a Trey Young buzzer beater. I think in overtime, like a one thirty seven to one thirty six game to win that one. They've also got the Wizards at plus five twenty five, the Kings at plus four twenty five. This two hundred dollar parlay paid out thirty three thousand dollars with all underdogs. Thirty three k on that one. A guy that didn't have to bet. $200 to get a nice payday over at DraftKings, $5 into 5,270 parlayed five underdogs to win outright in that one. So that was five different NBA games. Another DK better, $5.50 into $9,916. He hit a 10-leg parlay of Moneyline winners and totals in five different MLB games. So uh, definitely had some underdogs going in that one as well. Uh, Brett, DK also had to pay out on uh, on something that made you quite happy. <laughs> yeah, the uh, an odds boost to DraftKings. It was a Bryce Harper homer and a Phillies win paid out. 1300 It was originally $1,100 uh, when the Phillies played the Nationals. And Harper... Went deep, and the Phillies did win over Washington. Uh, this one, this one, I mean, you're getting a lot of Phillies betters in, at DraftKings in New Jersey. Uh, I imagine a lot of people had money on this, and and, and DK says it cost them $90,000 for this odds boost promotion. 90 k For those of you who don't know uh, your geography, and honestly, I'll be fully, uh, I'll fully admit here, I did not know until I had to start making these trips over there as well. Uh, Philadelphia is literally on the border there in New Jersey. So, you know, while there is legalized uh, brick and mortar right now in Pennsylvania and someone could certainly go and do that, you know, they might see a push notification on their phone from from DK, which they're really good at doing. And it is literally just a pop over. And and you could you know, I, I would imagine there were several people from uh, from Philly whenever they got this notification that just made the very short I mean I can't put into words how short it is of a drive to just pop over the border and and make a bet and then pop back over and uh, like you said cost DraftKings $90,000 on this one and uh, I kind of smile because I like when, yeah. when I like when we win and the, and the sports books lose yeah a lot of, a lot of Phillies fans in New Jersey too and yeah like you said it's right across I mean Beautiful Camden, New Jersey is just a short drive away from Philadelphia. (laughs) And guys, if you remember last week, we talked about 
the uh, guy over that turned 14, a 14 cent, 14 leg parlay into 1300. And, and Brett and I were just absolutely convinced that it was the last 14 cents in his account. Well, our friend, our friend over at ESPN, David Purdom, actually tracked the guy down, did an interview, and Brett, it was his last 14 cents. I knew it. Of course was, it was. There was no way that it wasn't his last 14 cents in his account. That's, it's, this, it's just so awesome. <laughs> the guy just goes all in for 14 cents, turns it into $1,300. Yeah, I mean, you can, again, that's on ESPN if you want to read uh, David Purdom's interview with the guy. But, you know, we were saying if you're either going to bet 10 cents or you're going to bet 15 cents, you're never betting 14 cents. We, ha- we knew that he was just firing every last penny in that account. And sure as hell, he was firing every last penny in that account, which makes the story. We knew it anyway, but now that it's confirmed, just makes the story that much better. Yeah, we thought there was a small likelihood that it could have been. That he just it was really superstitious and wanted the 14-cent, 14-team parlay, but that was just that was unlikely. This had to be an all-in. Oh, so good. I, I love this guy. I love that he went all-in for the 14 cents and just, and just went YOLO with the 14-leg parlay. <laughs> Turns it into 1,300. So well done, my friend. We tip our cap to you here on the Lions podcast each Week will also bring you sportsbook deals, promos, announcement, things like that for all you betters out there that maybe have slipped past you. Uh, anything that's going on that we think might be of interest to you. First and foremost, and we will talk a little bit about this further in an interview with Chris Sheridan, DraftKings is taking bets on not who will be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, but who will be the number two overall pick in the NBA draft. If you want John Morant, that is minus 190. R.J. Barrett, plus 140. Zion Williamson, of course, the heavy favorite to just go number one overall, but if you thought, if you think there's any way in the hell he's going to slip to number two, he is actually plus 550. There are other players listed as well, but those are the three that everybody considers to have a real chance to go number two in the draft there. Brad, I, um, you know, this is something we go into with, with, with Sheridan. He breaks that down. And, uh, you know, DraftKings, again, continues to just kind of put up these bets that I think are, are interesting, uh, you know, that we haven't really seen traditionally in sports betting. We've seen the who's going to be number one overall, but not a lot, not a ton of times who's going to be number two overall. And, you know, I like that they are just giving more options. More options are be- is better to me. Yeah. Anything you can do that is approved by, you know, the division of gaming that is, is fun and keeps people interested in not just the games, but things that are going on outside the games like the draft. It, it's going to. It's going to keep people on the app and looking around and, and placing bets. I mean, this is this is great. And if you want to try out PointsBet, PointsBet, a uh, partner of ours, of course, head to the lines, head to play, play picks, and we will uh, we will have a code for you to, I mean, a link for you to click on there, and you'll be able to get the very best uh, deal out there at PointsBet as well. So all Major League Baseball games, it's called the Let It Fly, Let it fly Home Run Payout. So if you place a money line bet, and it has to be at least $50. So at least a $50 money line bet, you will receive a $10 bonus bet. And, you know, that's going to be a in bonus credits on their site. So you'll just have to use it to bet with. You can't just withdraw this money. But still, for a $10 bonus bet for every homer that the team that, that you bet on hits in that game. I mean, Brad, I mean, we've already seen a Dodger game with, 
you know, seven, eight home runs already yeah. this year. And all. I mean, like, could you imagine waking up and, and there's just 80 bonus dollars in your account uh, strictly for making a bet that, that you were going to make anyway? It's, it's pretty, pretty cool promotion, actually. How long before the Phillies break this promotion? The Phillies are just <laughs> blasting home runs every single night, and, and you know there's a lot of Phillies action on these on these promos. So I mean, I, this is this is a really fun one. It's similar to what Points Bet did during the March Madness tournament uh, with three pointers. Every three pointer your team hits, you get three dollars. So. I love these kinds of uh, the promotions, man. They, they keep people invested and, and engaged for the entire game, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. And again, our friend over at BetStars introduced extra inning insurance. So basically, if you bet a money line bet, if your team loses in extra innings, they will refund you up to $20. So basically, it's just kind of like a little, if you, at least if you have a team, Brett, and uh, that team and your and your game goes into into extra innings. You know, at least you're getting you're at least getting twenty bucks. You know, I mean, listen, I know that you're not a huge fan of these uh, refund things and whatnot, but I look at it this, this is way. A little different, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is it's almost this is almost kind of like like bad beat insurance as opposed yeah. to as opposed to like the the refund stuff, the karma bets or or the karma refunds that we've seen. Uh, this is like you said, just this is more kind of like a bad beat type situation. I mean, we've seen. There has never been a time in in baseball history where they go to the bullpen earlier than they do now, and there's nothing worse than sitting awesome through five innings and they decide to randomly pull your starting pitcher because they, you know, guys can only throw 85 pitches these days, Brett. So, you know, it's like they pull him in the fifth and <laughs> now the, the bullpen blows the lead and this thing goes into extra as well. You know, at least if that were to happen, uh, Bet Stars will give you 20 bucks back. You don't have to worry as much about betting on a team with a terrible bullpen either, right? Like you can yeah. you can bet on some of these teams that have horrible pens and not tilt when they completely blow up in the ninth inning. Guys, you have read his stuff on the AP, ESPN. He's written for several newspapers, other websites as well. Well, he is now a contributor at thelines.com. Chris Sheridan, Brett and I were able to catch up with, talk a lot about some player props, the NBA props, uh, division winners, things like that. The guy is an expert when it comes to NBA. So here is Chris Sheridan. Very glad to have joining us the podcast, Chris Sheridan, veteran NBA writer, worked all over the place. You've seen his stuff on the AP, ESPN, New York Daily News, just to name a few for sure. Uh, now, now writing a column for us at the lines as well. Very happy to have you on board, Chris. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, I'm happy to be on the air. It's uh, it, it's good to be with the, a new team at thelines.com. So, Chris, we're kind of a, at a, in a basketball haven right now with March Madness running into the NF, uh, the NBA playoffs, and also kind of the, the crossroads with the NBA draft here as well. You've got a column up this week about NBA draft odds and why people should be keeping an eye on Texas Tech's Jarrett Culver this weekend. Uh, currently, seventy to one to be the second pick in the NBA draft this season. My question to you is how how much could a big game, especially uh, in an NCAA Final Four in a championship game, how could how much could that potentially help a player's stock like Culver? Well, the thing you got to remember is um, what's up, as we tape here on April 4th, we had a long time until the NBA draft. The NBA draft is not until the end of, um, of June. And there's going to be changes around the NBA. You saw it with Ernie Grunfeld losing his job with the Washington Wizards after 16 years. And you're going to see it in other places too, including some teams uh, that are going to make it into the playoffs that if they underperform, they're going to fire their coaches. 
And and when that, that kind of thing happens, um, things change, and things change fast in the NBA. So as it as it relates to Zion Williamson and, and John Morant, yeah, everybody's got them one and two, and everybody's got them one and two for the right reasons. But um, if a player, uh, you know, such as the Texas Tech kid, uh, Culver, um, is the right fit for the right team at the right time, then what you could the team that's drafting um, one or two, um, you know, depends who's drafting one or two. But but uh, if if Zion is not the right fit for that team, or if John Moran is not the right fit for that team, then then a trade can get done. And and that's the kind of way that uh, a guy like Jared Culver could move up to a, a number two. Um, again, the bottom line is things change really fast in the NBA, and and the offers that are on the table now look nothing like the offers that are going to be on the table on draft night because everybody's going to is trying to set up for this crazy summer of free agency. Uh, the example I used in the column was the Washington Wizards. Um, you know, they've got two guys uh, playing power forward. Um, one of them, Jabari Parker, has a $20 million player option that's probably not going to be renewed. The other one is Bobby Portis, who they they got from also got from the Bulls, who who's a keeper, um, and he's still got some years left on his contract on on the rookie scale. So the Washington Wizards may not need Zion Williamson, and they may want to get off John Wall's contract. So if they let's say they win the lottery and they get the number one pick, and they they can package Zion the the number one pick along with John Wall's contract. Right now they're a tax team, that gets them out of the luxury tax. And then it puts them into a position to to sign a guy like Kevin Durant, who, let's not forget, is from Maryland. And a lot of people expect Kevin Durant to leave the Golden State Warriors. The guessing game is, where is he going to end up? You know, Bill Simmons said it's a mortal lock that he ends up with the New York Knicks. And I don't tend to disagree with that. But um, Maryland, as an option for him, if something opens up there where there's you know additional cap space and he can put another superstar alongside him, then you got a team with with Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, whoever they get in the draft, and uh, and Thomas Bryant, who's, who's looking pretty good as their starting center, and um, and that may be a destination that appeals to Kevin. Remember, a lot of guys like to go home, and um, and Kevin's from uh, from Maryland. He may want to go home, and he also may want to um, get rid of this label that he only wants to play for for championship teams because he got you know he got killed on uh, on the internet when he went from Oklahoma City to Golden State and they built that super team. And, uh, you know, public perception means a lot to Kevin Durant, and so he may want to change public perception and say, hey, look, I can win with a bad team. You know, you just put the right pieces around me, um, and I can win with a bad team. And he's already got one good piece to put around him in Bradley Beal. All right, let's shift back to this season. We're in the dog days of the NBA right now, but obviously you're still watching things closely. Some teams have completely shut down. The tank rumors have been in, in, in full effect for weeks, but you wrote a column last week about the race for the last spots in the Eastern Conference playoffs and why some of these teams, Detroit, Miami, Orlando, some of those teams might be good bets just to win the conference outright in the playoffs, as high as 80-1 to 1 odds. Why is that possible this year? Why might the Bucks and the Raptors and the Celtics be vulnerable in the playoffs this year? Well, the Bucks are, are right now they're missing uh, Nikola uh, Miritich and Malcolm Brogdon, um, two really key players. Um, Miritich they got from the Pelicans to provide even more outside shooting than they already have, 
and Brogdon, um, you know, he he's a point guard, but he kind of plays off the ball and spreads the floor, and a lot he opens things up for Giannis. And that was Mike Budenholzer's plan when he came on board. I'm going to let Giannis, you know, be kind of the de facto point guard, surround him with shooters, and uh, and and beat beat people from deep. And that's why they have the best record in the NBA. And that's why you know Brook Lopez is sitting three three pointers away from 500 for this season. Hmm. He's a Brooke Lopez's career stats, his first eight seasons in the league, he didn't make a single three-pointer. He didn't make a single three-pointer. This season, he's taken 497 three-pointers, and he's hitting them from way out, way out, uh, you know, like 30 feet away. I covered the Nets uh, Bucks game in Brooklyn the other night, and Buttonholzer was talking about it, and he said, you know, the plan's kind of working the way I thought it would, but I had no idea the guy could go out this deep. He's, he's shooting from Damian Lillard range, and, um, you know, so the Bucks are a worthy favorite, and and the Raptors are right behind them. I'm looking at DraftKings. The Bucks are two to one to win the East. The Raptors are right behind them at plus two ten, and then the Sixers are at plus two fifty. But the Sixers are having their own problems. You know, they keep losing to bad teams. I'll be down in Philly tonight for the for the Bucks game, and and you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, number one whether Embiid plays, and and number two whether. The Sixers can stick with the Bucks because if the Sixers can't stick with the Bucks, Brett Brown's in a, in a heck of a lot of trouble. And if they go out early in the playoffs, he's not he's not going to make it to the bus, <laughs> as they say. Um, when that's an expression you use when a coach could fi- gets fired. Um, the Celtics have their own you know chemistry problems. They they went real far last year in the playoffs without Kyrie Irving because um, he was on the shelf, and, and Terry Rozier did a fantastic job. Um, and they got a lot of guys who were coming down to the end of their contracts. So that's one of the reasons why the word was out there at the trade deadline that if the Celtics trade for Anthony Davis, they're only getting him as a rental. So, so then you start looking at the rest of the field, and the Indiana Pacers are 50 to one. And everybody I talked to around the NBA says everyone's sleeping on the Pacers. Everyone's sleeping on this team. Yeah, they lost Victor Oladipo, but they're deep at every position. And if Wes Matthews gets hot, which he hasn't yet, but he, he's capable of. Um, he could carry them all the way to the Eastern Conference Championship. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are out there at 66 to one. I cover a lot of Nets games. They play a lot of overtime games. They're they're a, a feisty team, a hustle team. But their two best players play the same position: D'Angelo Russell and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. They're both point guards. Um, and then they're at 66 to one. Then the Detroit Pistons are also at 66 to one. They've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA over the past month. So they're not a bad. They're not a bad flyer bet at 66 to one. Now, could they beat the Bucks? That I'm not saying. But you know, the Bucks could go down to a lesser team if circumstances uh, are wrong. Like Miami is 80 to one. Miami might get that eight spot. But the guys in in the Miami Heat system run Eric Spolster's offense to a T. Um, and, and although they don't have the talent to, to quite match up with the Bucks. They got like tough guys like James Johnson can guard Giannis Antetokounmpo and give him a rough time. So and and Miami's sitting there at eighty to one to win the East. And then you also have Orlando at eighty one and then you have Charlotte, which is probably not going to make it at a hundred to one. But when you're looking at prop bets, you gotta you gotta imagine the you know you gotta remember anything can happen in the playoffs. Which team is the deepest team and who's going into the playoffs hurt? And uh, and all those factors are in play in the Eastern Conference at the current time. Let's talk about a few of these things that won't actually be decided on the court real quick before we get to your thoughts on the stuff that actually will be handled on the court, and that is uh, hoisting the championship trophy here. You know, looking at these players' futures on DraftKings, 
sixth man of the year, Lou Williams, just an overwhelming favorite. I mean, just absolutely dominating the odds here at minus 5,000, of course, averaging over 20 points, over five assists and been a really, really big part of that Clippers team there. In your opinion, Derek Rose and, and Montrezl Harrell are, are the closest at plus 1400 past that. But it, I assume this is Lou Williams award to lose, right? Yeah. The, you know, Lou Williams is a, if he wasn't on the Clippers, Montrez Harrell would be, would be a real nice pick. And um, because that team's going to the playoffs and nobody expected them to go to the playoffs. They're also one of the teams that's chasing after Kawhi Leonard, and, and they think they can get him. They've been shadowing Kawhi Leonard at, uh, at, at every single Raptors game. Um, they'll have a guy in Philly tonight, um, just keeping an eye on, on Kevin, and Kevin's aware of that. Um, uh, Demonte Sabonis at 16-1, to 1 is, uh, it, it, you know, that, that's not a bad choice, but he hasn't done for the Pacers what Lou Williams has done for the Clippers. And then Spencer Dinwiddie is also at 16-1, to 1, and... Um, and, and, you know, he's also like a worthy second or third place vote because of what he's done for the, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, who, who look like they're going to be a playoff team, but they got to win, you know, one of their last four games. They, if they lose out, they could get knocked out of the playoffs. So, yeah, Lou Williams is a lock. That's why he's at minus 5,000. Do you have the same feeling on, on, on Luka as far as rookie of the year? Again, minus 5,000 for him, closest Trey Young at plus 650. Of course, Trey Young came on just uh, huge in the second half of the season, but Luca was just there all year long. You couldn't put it better. Luca's been there all year long. Trey Young got off to a very, very slow start, but, you know, lately he's been putting up 30s, you know, high 30s all the time, and, and the Hawks have been beating good teams. And, he's, and Trey's doing it pretty much by himself. You know, John, John Collins is a, is a heck of a player as well, but as far as carrying the, the burden on offense, Trey Young's been doing it. So, um, I think Doncic is a lock for Rookie of the Year, and I think Trey Young is is going to be number two. The battle there is for number three, and um, and nobody has prop bets up yet on who's going to finish third in Rookie of the Year voting. But someone's going to figure out, <laughs> hey, that's a good prop bet to put up, and then they're going to put up who's going to finish third in Rookie of the Year, and somebody's going to put same with MVP. Um, that's where I was going next. So that's where I was going next with this. I mean, this is the one that everybody is, you know, hotly debated. You're either on Team Giannis or you're on Team Harden. So which which side are you on? Uh, I'm a, I'm on Team Giannis right now because the Bucks have the best record in the league, and you know I've voted for MVP before, and I always go with the best player on the best team, uh, or especially if it's a team that that overperformed, and and certainly all, you know. The Bucks meet all three of those standards, and Giannis meets all three of those standards. The guy who's not in the conference, and look, Harden's been terrific with the, with the thirty point scoring streak. You know, he'll go for fifty on any given night. Um, he's a he's a very worthy candidate, but the Rockets aren't sitting in first in first place in the West, so that's going to work against them. The guy nobody talks about is Nikola Jokic from the uh, from the Denver Nuggets, um, who's sitting on the board right now at sixty six to one. Um, I don't think Jokic is going to win the award. But um, the Nuggets are only a game and a half out of first place. That that loss to the to the Warriors hurt them um, because you know they would have been within a half a game, or well, that was really a two game swing. But if the Denver Nuggets somehow managed to surpass uh, the Golden State Warriors over the final couple games of the season, um, Denver has six left uh, and Golden State has five. You're going to see some support come in for Nikola Jokic because nobody expected the Denver Nuggets to. Uh, a lot of people didn't even expect them to make the playoffs. Remember, they lost out on the last night of the season last year. Um, this year, they've been battling the Golden State Warriors for first place for the entire season. 
And Jokic is, you know, he's a he's a point center. And you know how many point centers there are in the NBA? There's one. Right. <laughs> he's the guy. And um, and he, he's going to be a tough cover for anybody in the playoffs. Uh, he, he gets a lot of triple doubles. He finished, I think, one of sets shy of getting another one last night. Um, and he's on the board at 66 to one. Um, those are really long odds. Um, and if you wanted to take a flyer on somebody, um, you could take a flyer on Jokic at 66 to one. But I think that I think the award is already over. And then a lot of voters, you got to remember, they cast their ballots um, with three, four games left in the season. They just try to get it out of the way. All right, I've, I've already made up my mind on all these awards, and I'm going to cast my ballot now. I was different when I voted for for um, for NBA awards, the official NBA awards. I always waited until all 82 games had been played, and then uh, and the guy who counts the ballots always knew. Don't you know? We got one out, Jared, <laughs> and, but it'll be in. You know, the deadline deadline's 11 o'clock in the morning. His ballot will come in. You know, sometime around 10 or 11 in the morning, um, because it's a regular season award. So I figure, why why cast your ballot until the uh, before the regular season is over? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a little different. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally, before we let you get out of here, and again, we really appreciate your time here. Everybody wants to know who you have for winning the whole thing here. Of course, the Warriors came into the season the big, big favorite. Continue to be the big favorite at minus 210 at DraftKings. Your next closest team, Bucks, at plus 850. So you can see the big-time disparity between just the Warriors and basically the rest of the field here. So, one, is this a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are going to win this thing? And if, if it's not, who, who do you see that can, can knock this team off here? Well, a couple teams. The, the, the Rockets took them to seven last year and lost Chris Paul in, uh, for game six and seven. And then Harden tried to do too much all by himself. And the Rockets lost games six and seven um, in you know really great games. But it, there were games where... The Rockets were doing were, were sharing the ball in the first half, and then Harden tried to take over and do too much all by himself in the in the in the third and fourth quarters of the second half, and they lost six and seven to the Warriors. The thing about the Warriors is they they could run into the wrong team in an early round. Um, Utah Jazz have, have always played them well. In fact, last season they beat them three times. They beat them by thirty twice, and they beat them by nineteen once. Um, and, but again. That was a, a Golden State Warriors team that didn't have DeMarcus Cousins manning the middle. So this Golden State Warriors team is better than last year's Golden State Warriors team in, in a lot of ways, but you don't know how you know how Boogie's going to perform in the playoffs because he's never been there before, or he's never been you know he's never been far in the playoffs before. Um, so if the Warriors run into the wrong team and a hot team, Clippers being another one, um, Clippers kind of match up with them. Um, you know they could go down in a seven-game series against the wrong team, and and you never know when injuries are going to play a factor. And um, and and the Clippers are a deeper team than than the Warriors, so I'm not sold on the Warriors being um, being a lock. Oklahoma City's a damn good team. Paul George is having the best career of his life. Uh, Denver Nuggets are a heck of a team. You know they've they've battled injuries all year long. Uh, Jokic has been a rock for them, but. As far as the guys they're surrounding him with, you know, they've had to mix and match. Um, San Antonio Spurs at sixty to one. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship. Uh, Pop got tossed last night in second fastest time in, uh, in in NBA history, but they've been a heck of a of a home team. Their problems have come on the road. Um, 
so you know, with San Antonio, you never count them out, but they're they're going to be the eight team right now, and they may they may flip flop with the Thunder, um, and and also Golden State may flip flop with Denver. The standings are so jam packed right now, you don't know who's going to play who, but it's all going to be based on matchups. Matchups mean everything in the NBA playoffs, and then depth and injuries come in after that. You can't be six deep or seven deep, <laughs> even though coaches want to want to go six deep or seven deep. You got to be eight deep, nine deep in order to overcome injuries. And uh, and if if you have a key player go down, you got to have somebody to come in, able to replace him. And uh, not every team in the Western Conference has that. Well, Chris, we really appreciate the time, and really excited to have you on board over at the Lions again, guys. You can catch Chris's column every week over there on the Lions all the way through the end of the NBA championship. Here, Chris, thanks for the time, man. Sure, and I'm just going to plug my Twitter. You guys can follow me and all the stuff I'm writing for a bunch of different outlets at Sheridan Hoops. Um, it's the same, same, uh, same Twitter handle I had when I was running the website called Sheridan Hoops. Perfect. Thanks a lot, and we will, uh, we'll have you on again before the end of the season. Okay, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to doing the next one. Yeah, Brad, I wanted to bring up just a couple of those player props. I mean, just to just to get triple confirmation here. I mean, the odds basically dictate that they are locks here. I mean, Luca getting the rookie of the year and Lou Williams. I mean, Lou Williams just has had an unbelievable season there for the Clippers as well. So, I mean, uh, but at minus 5,000, just wanted to make sure that that was the case with him. But I think the more interesting thing here was the MVP talk where, you know, we we basically see everybody on either Team Giannis or Team Harden. He says he is Team Giannis. Um, I, at the middle of the season, you probably would have caught me on Team Harden, but I think what I've seen from Giannis here, just to close things out, I mean, the guy has just been absolutely amazing, does it all, and is still, you know, still becoming a better player. I mean, the guy is still so young and, I don't know, man. The, the the NBA has never been more exciting for me, and I'm just I'm very excited about 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 everything. Wait, the NBA has never been more exciting. We've got a team that's all basically a lock to at least get to the championship game in the Warriors, and the NBA's never been more exciting. Yeah, because there is well, let me put it this way: because there is I, I for the future, right? Because there has. Young players are now dominating this, this game, right? I mean, this was three to four years ago. We knew exactly who the stars were. And, you know, we even, ta- we, we even talked about this with Chris about, you know, rookie of the year in what we've seen from Trey Young to kind of close out the season here. What we saw from Luka all year long, what Giannis has turned himself into. I mean, we could go on and on with just uh, with with all these young players that are really, really making an impact in the league. And I think I think I think this 2019, 2020 season come next year is going to make the NBA just absolutely bonkers because we are going to see these teams break up we are going to see new teams get formed and i think this is going i think that season i think next year's season will have the most buzz of maybe i'm going to say near nba levels i will i mean i mean near near nfl levels i will say i hope so man because i love that basketball is my favorite sport and it's been really tough watching what's happened in the nba over the last few years with these super teams especially when durant went to golden state it's almost unwatchable at this point because once the playoffs begin it's there's there's the Warriors and then there's everybody else. So when this team does break up and it does sound like that's going to happen, I'm back in because I'm with you. I mean, there, there's a lot of young talent that has taken over here. Giannis, I can't wait to see what Zion does when he comes into the league. Um, 
so I hope you're right. I, I hope that you know I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that the league will be better going forward after the Warriors uh, <laughs> after this Warriors yeah. dominant run ends. So as we are coming to the end of the NBA season, we are kicking off the MLB season here. MLB is underway about a week into the season now. No surprise here, Brett. The Yankees, the most bet money line, uh, most bet money and tickets. So the most tickets were written and the most money has been bet on the Yankees so far at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, People are probably pretty upset about that with the way the season has started for the Yankees. That is followed by the Mets and then the Phillies on the money side. Red Sox and Phillies on the ticket side there at DraftKings. We have uh, an MLB. Listen, this uh, this season looking at, at this at this season so far. Again, we're week into the season here, Brett. But I think it's at least worth pointing out that if you were high on a Yankee team, a Red Sox team, uh, an Astros team, all these teams that have stumbled out of the gate, should they stumble for another week here? you're going to see the futures odds get adjusted just because the sports books are going to have to do it. Uh, I did this with the Astros last year when the Astros kind of stumbled out of the gate and, um, uh, and did it as well with the Dodgers, the Dodgers stumbled as well out of the gate. And, you know, of course uh, one paid off one didn't, but there is a, for me, uh, I, I kind of look at these situations to try to take advantage of, I mean, baseball is obviously a super long season. Guys get, uh, some guys can, don't uh, pitch as well or hit as well in the cold. And we're still kind of, you know, in, in the cold weather season and, and half the, where half these teams reside and stuff. And so there might be some opportunities in the futures market. If you still have conviction in these teams that were, you know, good on paper heading into the season who have stumbled out of the gate. Absolutely, and I do. I still love the Yankees to win and uh, to win the World Series, and they they have stumbled. They lost. They lost the opening series to Baltimore. Baltimore is four and two, and the Yankees are two and four. The Red Sox are two and four, two and five. I, I I love baseball because this happens. There's so much variance in tight windows that these things happen. But over the course of 162 games, it's going to be the Yankees and the Red Sox, and maybe the Rays up at the top in the in the uh, the East there, and. Yeah, if you can get some value on the Yankees after they have started slow here, absolutely do it. Yeah, I almost kind of hope them, the Astros, even the Red Sox, I kind of hope all three of them have another crappy week, right? Like, I kind of hope they have another crappy week so I can go in and just kind of pile on all three of those teams because just the talent in baseball, which is why, you know, the the, person's batting average, whenever you look, is just could start out the season some guys could start out hitting 380 for the first, you know, month of the season. Some guys could start out hitting 180 and they will eventually go to where they normally hit because it's just it's a long season and uh, over the course of the season things just come back to normal and they just regroup they come back to the mean and I think that's what we will see here. But again, these sports books will have to adjust. I mean, if the Yankees if we look up another week from now and the Yankees are, are you know, four and 12 or something, you know, I mean, they're they're going to have to adjust these odds. And I'll certainly pile on them. I'll pile on the, the Astros. I'll pile on the Red Sox because uh, I think eventually talent will prevail. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. NFL totals. Yes. NFL yeah. in April. Yes. NFL totals 
were released. Uh, CG Sports, CG, CG Sportsbooks here in Vegas was the first ones to do it. We've seen some other books go ahead and do it as well. One of the notable uh, moves here, you will love to pound your chest about here. The Bills opened at six wins. That almost instantly went to six and a half. So, Brett, that means there were people piling on your bills. How do you feel about that? Why? <laughs> How do you feel about that? And your question is, why? Why were they doing this? Why are you doing that to yourself? Yeah, I mean, listen, it is. Uh, they only got to win. They don't even have to get to 500 for you to cash the ticket. Don't you just want to get that ticket in? I mean, they don't even have to get to 500. I will say the schedule is pretty easy. But, man, that this team, I, <laughs> man, I don't know. Tennessee Titans was a team that we saw fall. Uh, they opened at eight and a half. That went down to eight pretty quickly. The Pats opened at 11 wins. That went down to 10 and a half there at CG fairly rapidly as well. We'll just quickly run through the totals here. If you see anything you like, of course, uh, you know, you can get at it. Uh, Cardinals at five, Falcons eight and a half, Ravens eight and a half. Bills, we mentioned, had moved to six and a half. Panthers eight, Bill, uh, Bears nine and a half. Bengals six, Browns nine, Brett. Nine wins for the old Cleveland Browns there. Cowboys eight and a half. Broncos and Lions both at seven. Packers nine. Texans eight and a half. Colts nine and a half. Jaguars eight. Chiefs ten and a half. That one kind of stuck out to me, the Chiefs being ten and a half there. Um, of course, there's still a little bit of stuff floating out there as to what may or may not happen to Tyreek Hill. Has some stuff kind of floating over him. Um, that that's still a tough division. I don't know. Ten and a half. That's a lot of wins, Brad. It is, and um, yeah, I, I I'm curious to see what the betting looks like on that number. Yeah, because, I think that one could get interesting. Yeah, I feel like I think people are gonna pound the over. I mean, the the quarterback, the, the Mahomes effect is real. I mean, people are people love that kid, and and does and rightly so. But ten and a half is a lot of wins. Chargers at ten, Rams ten and a half, Dolphins the lowly Dolphins down at five, Vikings nine, Patriots we mentioned uh, was at eleven down to ten and a half, Saints ten and a half, the Giants at six. So unfortunately for our New York betters out there, not much to look forward to according to these sports books anyway for the Giants. Jets at seven, Raiders at six, Eagles nine and a half. We got the Steelers at nine. So just a game over 500 projected there for the Steelers. 49ers at eight. Seahawks, eight and a half. Bucks at six. We expect the Bucks to be pretty bad. Titans down to eight, as we mentioned. And then the Redskins at six. Of course, you can go to DraftKings Sportsbook as well. They did not take long to come out with their numbers and pretty much mirrors what we saw at CG with uh with the with the totals as well outside of that number there for the chiefs did any of the numbers really stand out to you brad i mean of course we have some of these that are just incredibly low but i was trying to talk myself into reasons where they could get over some of these numbers i mean the cardinals at five dolphins at five giants at six jets at seven you know i mean so many really low totals out there but then you just look at what these teams are probably going to look like and probably what they're going to be made up of and i don't know i i, I couldn't find a way to, to to want to get there well what's so important too if, if you want to bet these numbers early is projected strength of schedule like we don't know what the 2000 uh, 2019 schedule is going to look like exactly but we do know who each team will be playing and this week warren sharp released his strength of schedule uh 
projections based on these win totals. And I mean, once again, the Patriots are expected to coast in the AFC East. They had the easiest schedule in the NFL, according to these win totals. So no surprise at all that even without Gronk, uh, they carried the highest total when these numbers were posted by CG and DraftKings. Um, the AFC East in general is super interesting because the Jets had the second easiest schedule according to these numbers, and they play eight teams that have bottom 10 win totals. So as bad as the Jets look, there might be some value in the over seven, which seems crazy, but they don't play anybody. Right. And then and, he, and, and you have to at least like what you saw from that team last year. While they didn't win a lot of games, they were – I mean, I guess the word to use is scrappy, right? They were kind of a scrappy team anyway. And if you think that they are going to improve year over year, and then you talk about the strength of schedule, and you you had a rookie quarterback who now enters year two, I mean, there there are reasons I think to to like the Jets. Oh yeah, and I'm a big Darnold guy. I think that guy's going to be a stud. So I mean, it, this could be the year that he really um, starts to to put it together and look like uh, the quarterback that they drafted. Uh, you mentioned the Browns earlier. I initially thought that number of nine was juiced, but looking at this schedule, I don't see why Cleveland can't win nine games. They have one of the easiest schedules in the league. Uh, I still like the Ravens in that division, but I think both those teams could win nine games. They both play the Bengals twice. They both play the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins in the AFC East, and they both get the card, the Cardinals and the 49ers, so really soft schedules in that AFC North. Um just a few observations there. I think uh, I love the Ravens over, though. Yeah, and I think that that is a – I think that that was one that kind of stood out to me, and I thought that whenever you you, you mentioned the Jets, and, you know, it was – it's seven at CG, seven and a half, actually, at DraftKings, so you're, you're kind of getting oh – uh, Yeah, you kind of – you can see that it's already ticked up <laughs> a little bit over there, but, yeah, I, I do like the Jets as well. I don't know. I'm, I, I, too, like what I saw in Darnold. I think that that team – could could surprise some people this season for sure. Another one that uh, popped out to me was the Texans. The Texans had the toughest schedule last year. I'm sorry, the easiest schedule last year, and now they have the toughest schedule this year. So uh, they look like an early candidate for for unders, especially uh, when they get the Colts, Chiefs, Chargers, Saints, and Ravens on the road. So I, I if I was going to bet an under, that's the one that pops out to me. And finally here, guys, there is a new series on Showtime. It is called Action. If you have watched any Showtime programming whatsoever, you've seen commercials for it. You've seen promos for it. It is about the sports betting industry. I think it is a four-part series, if I'm not mistaken. They've gotten through parts one and two. Uh, Brett, what are your early kind of takes on the show in general? I don't want to influence anything that you say, so I'll go second here. I think they chose some characters that are going to elicit some reactions. Uh, I think it's important to tell some of these stories, but to jump right into the space with a documentary about touts without a full context of what they're actually doing and how it's affecting betters in the community, in the community is just untruthful. So that that's kind of my, my take after watching the first two episodes here. Yeah, it is to me, the only thing I don't like in it. And, and I get it. Like you, you, you want to have central characters and you want to whatever, but you know, it is essentially been an infomercial for Vegas, Dave and Kelly Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sh- uh, Kelly does, you know, work for work for one of the sites here and, you know, they do sell 
memberships or subscriptions or whatever it might be or picks or something and you know you've got the Vegas Dave talking about how you can buy his whale plays and you know and all these things and you know while they did in episode two kind of take a little bit of the shine off of him as to how much money his parents had lent him and how he had gone broke and how he had gone to uh, Gamblers Anonymous and stuff and this like that I still don't think that for a casual watcher right I mean those of us that are educated one we knew the story anyway going into the thing so I think we were we were biased and I was having this conversation yesterday with some people who again are are already in the industry so I think our brains were pre-wired watching this because we know the Vegas Dave story to be like oh episode two exposed him I actually don't think episode two exposed him if anything to me it almost seemed like a redemption story. It was like his parents are so nice and he went to, you know, he was broke at one point and they lent him this money and now look at him. Oh my God, he's got Ferraris and Bentleys and stuff. And it shows him winning these plays and everything. Like, I don't know, man, I think to the, to the casual observer who didn't really, you know, pay attention to what it means to have your parents lending you hundreds of thousands of dollars and stuff for your gambling habit and whatnot. I think people are going to take away from that with, Oh, he hit rock bottom, but look at him. He's he's back. You know, he's 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 winning and stuff again. So I don't know, man. I I, I think that that this 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 episode took down Vegas Dave. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's what I really got from it. I don't think so at all. And, and my question is, who are these people that are buying these packages? Like, do they know what they're getting? Do they have a gambling problem? Like, are these people buying? Are these people actually buying packages, or is he just planting all of these transaction emails for Showtime to capture? Either way, he's getting a platform to continue preying on degenerates, and he's laughing in our faces while this is happening. He's on Twitter bragging about how much money he's making after these shows air. It's lunacy. Yeah, I and know. I I just uh, to me to me I, I mean some people. Uh, we're, we're talking about, oh, yeah, it, 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 I saw on Twitter, you know, as soon as the show went, oh, finally they took him down. I'm like, I did not get that from that uh-uh. episode. And and not only did I not get that, I think the casual observer certainly did not get that. I, I do not think in the least bit because they sit there and, you know, f- five minutes of the show is devoted to him sweating out his whale play that, that hit, you know, and like so it shows him winning this, you know, quote unquote whale play of his or something. And I don't know, man, I. I that certainly was something I didn't get from the episode. The other thing is like that the episode two was basically filled with horror stories, right? So three of the main characters in episode two, all three of them talk about going to gambler gamblers anonymous and how they were broke and this, that, and the other. And there was no other side of the coin, right? Like, and I'm not saying that they have to talk to a guy like me or a guy like Gil Alexander or a guy like any of these people who, have not gone broke or who who don't you you know have a pretty decent idea of of their bankrolls and just live within their means and stuff i understand that doesn't make for a sexy topic but i do think that getting the other side of that is also pretty important because what it did was is is only show one side of the coin where it makes it look like yeah any of these guys that have had success in sports betting you know have all gone through the dirt you know and have all been broke and have all were have some form of compulsive gambling and this that and the other and you know again i know several guys who are successful gamblers who are very well adjusted individuals, you know what I mean? Like they go about their way. They have relationships. They, they, they don't spend beyond their means. They understand what a bankroll is. They, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it seemed like that one was the episode two was definitely filled with a bunch of horror stories without just the kind of the ho-hum boring typical, you know, Hey, you can actually do this and, and not be 
you know, a degenerate as well. Yeah, well, there were a few Gil clips uh, teasing episode three. So I've got some hope there that we we might get a little more of that side of the story. But so far, uh, it's been a little disappointing to see how this has played out. And one of the guys did, and this was the the quote that really jumped out as me, you might as well, he said, if you're going to legalize sports betting, you might as well legalize cocaine and crystal meth, which are, which obviously, Brett, are, are completely the same. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. obviously just completely the same when it comes to that. And this is, of course, is some guy that claims that he is. I Listen, I don't know where they dug this guy up. Like, I asked some other people as well who had not heard of the guy. So, like, the I don't know. sitting in the suite? Is that, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I've heard of a lot of the, you know, high-rolling guys here in Vegas just through, you know, either people that know them and or stories and or whatever it might be. I'd never heard of the guy. I had talked to some other people who had never heard of the guy. So I don't know. But then he comes out of the woodwork here and he's in some suite and he's talking about, you know, all how much money he makes and yada, yada, yada. But then like pulls this, you might as well legalize cocaine and crystal meth. And that just leads it that the thing is, is like crystal meth is one of the most addictive things on the face of the planet. They're like, you can do it one time and be addicted for life from what I hear. You know, of course, obviously I've never done crystal meth, but this is just stuff that I've read about everything and so i think this gives this false sense that like once you gamble then you're just a gambler and you're going to gamble for the rest of your life and it's like the thing that takes a hold of you and this is just not the case for a lot of people i mean i understand there are people who have problems brett and i I, and and you understand that there are people that have problems and those people certainly maybe shouldn't gamble or should find help and all that but it is not one of those things where like you tap the vein and then it's just instantly the water faucet is just turned on for the rest of your life and you're going to you're going to piss away your life fortune. Like this just I don't know. I, to me, I don't like these things where it, 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 it has to be like you're either level one or you're level 10, you know? Yeah. And then that that's my big takeaway so far is that it just it just feels untruthful from from a lot of different a lot of in a lot of ways so far. So hopefully we we do get the other side of the story coming up. There's a story arc, I assume, because there is a couple more episodes left. I assume we will get to the part where, uh, you know, spoiler alert, if Vegas Dave gets arrested. You know, I mean, I assume that, that there will be a story arc here, but I, I guess I don't I guess I don't know for sure. So hopefully Showtime doesn't let us down, Brett, and this maybe there's some maybe there is a, a when I say happy ending, I, I, I say happy ending because like then it would at least then that would at least expose the guy. But, you know, a happy ending for us, maybe not so much a happy ending for him. Yeah, we'll be watching. <laughs> we will. We will definitely be watching. Uh, let everybody know what's coming up at the lines and at play picks this week in case they want to head over there. Oh, boy. You know what's coming up next week? We got the Masters yes, coming up Yes, we next do, week. baby. All kinds of content coming, especially at Play Picks. We got uh, a lot of picks content uh, there, betting and DFS, and then obviously a lot of uh, uh, where the money is coming in on some of these golfers, Tiger Woods especially, um, and all the favorites. And, and take a look at some long shots too. Anybody uh, 50 to 1 odds and lower who might be able to, to take this thing down. Unlikely, but uh, well, we'll be looking at all those different stories. And on this very podcast, we will have Pat Mayo on the podcast. He is a guy that not only can talk sports betting, talk a little fantasy for you as well if you were into playing some fantasy golf. So we will talk to him about all that. Guy just puts out a ton of content. Very, very knowledgeable, especially in golf. So looking forward to that conversation. He's probably the, is he the biggest influencer, do you think, in, D- in DFS? It's it's in, in terms of like, yeah, in terms of like who people are picking, the guy pumps out so much content that is popular. He's got to be up there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what we'll do? We'll 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 go ahead and we'll we'll label him that while he's on the podcast. He'll love it. <laughs> uh, and then uh, if you guys are wanting to bet the 
uh, March Madness, of course, this weekend. Content at PlayPix, at the Lions, uh, also on PlayPix YouTube, just uh, YouTube forward slash PlayPix. We will have videos from Matt Peralt breaking down the Final Four games as well on there. Guys, for Brett, I am Matt. See you guys next week.